Welcome to uh, Playbook's first webinar here. Very excited to have two jazz educator giants, giants of jazz right here. Um, some of my favorite folks here, incredible educators. They run incredible programs. Um, we're going to just take this, this brief period we have here together um, to talk a little bit about um, their approaches to jazz education and hopefully leave you with some tools for the future. Um, so just a little background. I'm Sammy Miller here. I'm the founder of Playbook Music. Um, I spent the last decade touring all over with my band, um, interacting in a whole lot of different uh, cities. And, and unlike most jazz bands, when we'd show up in a place, we'd play our concert, Newport Jazz. But the next morning, we'd be working with students. Um, and through that, I was actually, I got a whole bunch of experience seeing the same challenges again and again with teaching jazz. Um, and so here, what we're going to go through is just talk through um, how how we can where where to start when with our struggles um and uh my experience the last decade led me to building playbook which i'll share here um can you see my screen love it yeah uh our mission which is just playbooks on a mission to offer teachers the tools to inspire lifelong musicians right i don't need everyone to uh, end up on the stage at Carnegie Hall, but I want students to have the tools long after school is over to be able to play happy birthday at their uh, four-year-old's birthday or play a song to their wife at their wedding or play a song uh, with their grandchildren. That's our goal, lifelong musicians. And two lifelong musicians here, um, lifelong educators are here to talk about how jazz can be a force for that. So I wanna introduce um, these two incredible educators here. To my left, Jesse Espinoza. Jesse is the director of bands at Klein Forest High School. Uh, he's formerly director at Waltrip High School, where he served for 20 years. He was also the assistant band director there from 2003 until 2012 under the leadership of Mr. Charlie Stevens, um, his former band director. Jesse's an alumni, and then he went there and built an incredible program. Uh, he received his BA from St. Thomas in Houston and then his master's degree at Lamar University. Um, he was in, before his career in education, he served in the U.S. Army Band as a trumpet player. And uh, he was at the U U.S. Armed Forces School of Music in Little Creek, where he was an honor graduate, of course. We wouldn't expect anything less from you, Jesse. Uh, he's married to his high school band, Sweetheart, which is another reason to join band. And uh, he has a son who's an amazing young trumpet player too, so it, it sticks in the family. Um, I'm going to let Jesse speak a little bit about him, but I just want to introduce Jesse. Jesse, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Sammy. Thanks for having me. Very cool. And to our right, in the blue corner, all the way from, is that, it's not West Texas, but it's certainly not East Texas from, from the Dallas area. What, what would you call Dallas, Preston? I know we talk about. North Texas. From yeah. the North Texas. Yeah. Band director at Plano West Senior High School in Plano, Texas. Uh, his, his duties in, include directing the wind symphony, jazz orchestra, jazz band, jazz small groups, assisting with marching band, and uh, coordinating the jazz programs in the Plano West Cluster. He's past president for TJEA and a consultant for Jazz Lincoln Center. He's past president, and now, Jesse, you are the current president, right? This isn't like... Correct. <laughs> and this isn't like uh, our government where the past the press presidents don't get along. These two get along, <laughs> Uh, it's been great and it, 
just real quick on that, Preston was uh, instrumental in, in uh, recommending me for that spot, and, and uh, here I am. Amazing. Um, so just I spoke a little bit about both you both, but I would love to hear a little bit from you both uh, background a bit about, about your programs. Um, maybe Preston, you want to go first and just share a little bit about um, Plano, the program, you, uh, your program. And, and yeah. Yeah. So um, we're here in Plano, which is uh, it's a suburb of Dallas. It's about 20 minutes, 20 minutes north of downtown Dallas. And um we're at 6A school, which is in the classification for Texas, one of the larger or the largest classification. And uh, it's the, I have a unique system here where Plano West is a senior high, so we're 11th and 12th grade only. And I have two 910 campuses that feed us that are treated completely separate. Um, which has, they have their own head band directors, assistant band directors. Uh, so it has its unique set of challenges, um, I guess, like like everywhere. And as far as we have jazz classes here, I have two big band classes, and then we have a jazz small group that meets uh, outside of school, typically meets in the morning. We have our first rehearsal at 6.30 a.m. Um, this Thursday, so makes for a long day, of, you know, but it's ded dedication from the kids. We get up early, come up here, rehearse for an hour and a half, and then uh, we have marching band after school, so it's like 12-plus hour days for those kids, but, I mean, the, the dedication and hard work, it pays off. Um, and that's, you know, kind of it in a nutshell, just general setup, if you will. Yeah. And Jesse, can you, can you speak a little bit about your, your program, um, incline? Yeah. So I'm here in, uh, I've been asked to say Klein, Texas. We're actually here in Houston. <laughs> uh, it, we're on the North side of town, just North of the, the beltway here in Houston. And, uh, Klein Klein Forest High School is also a 6A high school. And so it's a it's a large campus. There's over 3,700 kids. It's nine through twelfth. Uh our situation here is it's it's one of the uh, it's not officially a Title I campus, but it has all the socioeconomics and demographics of a Title I school. And so it's a very challenging situation. But uh uh walking in the door a year ago, there was about half of a jazz band going where the director had to play bass for the band to even happen. And, uh, you know, putting on a concert or two throughout the year, it was, um, they were doing great things even before that, but obviously COVID had a huge impact on, on the numbers and the participation. And as I said, walking in the door, all of a sudden after a November concert, uh, we exploded to have, enough uh, kids for three full big bands. And so we have one jazz band class that meets at the end of the day. Uh, so the other couple of groups had to meet after school, but we, we were able to put together uh, some groups to be competitive at some festivals and of course put on some other community performances. And And right now there's, there's a just a great interest in what we're doing overall. And so there's a lot of kids ready to jump on board even at the beginning of the school year uh, the actual jazz band class now has enough kids for two full big bands uh, to be split during that that 45 minute class period. So uh, we're just getting things started right now and, and uh, looking forward to some even greater times. Wow. Amazing. Um, Preston, this first question is for you. Can you talk a little bit about um, obviously both of you work as clinicians and, and work with different bands. 
for those that are uncomfortable teaching jazz, where should they start? What's like first that you walk into a band and you could tell the teacher, maybe they, they played a little bit in high school and whatnot. Like where's a good place for people who are teaching jazz start to start? Well, I think the, the most important thing is that teacher needs to have a positive attitude. Um, Cause sometimes I, I've seen where somebody gets thrown into like, Oh my gosh, I have to teach jazz. Like, you know, as part of the gig when I signed up and, when you walk into the classroom and you kind of set that precedent, like, I don't really want to be here or I'm being forced to do this. So like that rubs off on your kids. So having that, the, the energy, the positive energy with the kids and like, make it fun. Um, I, I can't tell you, like, there's this, this small school, I guess I probably shouldn't name any schools uh, here in, in the North Texas area uh, outside of Dallas and little bitty three, a school in, I heard the band that it, it was rough, but, but at the same time, like the kids were having a blast, like they were having so much fun and their band director was telling me like, it's their favorite class of the day. Like the kids look forward to it. That's all they're doing is talking about jazz band. He didn't really know anything about jazz band. He was a percussionist. Uh, he would go back there and sit in the back and kind of just keep a beat on the drum set. Um, but just by that positive attitude and over a couple of years, like, it blossomed and they were kind of a, they were a decent little band. Oh. And so that positive attitude goes a long way. So I think that's step number one. And, and, and Jesse, what about, where do you start when you're, um, when you're starting, like you talked about, you, you just went through this, right? You built a huge program and then now you're at, you started back at, you're at Client Forest where you started, like you said, with half a band. How do you, um, how do you build excitement for the program for people to join, to want to be a part of it? What are some things you do early in the school year? Uh, I think Preston hit the nail on the head. It, it is about having a positive attitude. Um, I don't treat the jazz band any different than I treat marching band or concert band. And um, any young directors I've ever talked to, especially with the, uh, the assistants I've, I've held over the years, that have had a little reservations about why I'm not a jazzer. I'm like, well, that's okay. You're a band director, aren't you? And they're, they're like, Oh, well, what do you mean? I said, well, we're going to work on articulation. We're going to work on style. We're going to work on balance and blend and tuning and good tone quality. And somewhere along the line, we're going to talk about some creativity and improvisation, but you know, otherwise don't treat it any different than you would treat anything else. And so, um, just having that approach, I think, makes the kids feel very comfortable that uh, they just want to be a part of it because you're there. You know, if you're teaching them in the other ensembles and they're having a good time, why why would the jazz band class be any different? Right. And what about um, you brought you brought up the idea that creativity? How do you see that affect the rest of a student's experience in band? whether it be their skills or their leadership, how do you find the tools that they're learning in jazz to be impactful, uh, Jesse? Uh, I try to relate it to some of the leadership stuff we have to do. Um, obviously with the marching band, there's quite a bit of structure and you got drum majors and section leaders and officers. Um, how is that so different from the band leader in jazz or the, the lead alto player or the lead trombonist 
you know, we got to listen to what the lead trumpet player says because he's the general of the band. You know, what he plays is going to, you know, tell us how to articulate, you know, through a phrase or what have you. And so helping them understand the correlation from that to what they're doing uh, with the big, the bigger ensembles or the large group settings, I think helps them also to feel uh, very much in a comfort zone to, to realize as a leader, you have to be quick on your feet, you know, quick thinker, uh, know how to address situations and be helpful to others. Part of that is understanding your audience and what you're playing. Well, I mean, how is, again, how is that different from when you're in front of a tune and you got to understand your atmosphere, your surroundings and be aware of what the changes are. And, and so it takes practice, you know, nobody just, I know there's a such thing as born leaders. There's born jazzers, I guess, or performers, but, but you still have to cultivate that idea of how to really do that and, and, and understand what's going on. We were working on a, uh, on a, ending chord of our warm-up today in, in jazz band class and so we're outlining the chord and the kids are figuring out that wait a minute there's another chord inside that chord and it's like well yeah you know and then these are the upper extensions and, and then all of a sudden you know we're in a theory lesson real quick the kids are just fascinated with how everything is relative there's nothing that's just so outside of the box. And then that helps to, you know, I guess the word is demystify the idea of creating things and, and coming up with lines. And, and mm. you know, I have a big poster in the back that that comes from the the army band. It's it's the big poster. And they they put the right word on there in the biggest bold print, which is listen you know, and which that's a part of leadership too. And so the whole listening aspect of everything and, and how to really approach this music, because I think that's the other thing, young directors or people that are not as experienced, they haven't spent the time to listen. And so it's like, just take a little time. It doesn't have to be hours and hours. It can turn into that, but, you know, spend a little bit of time uh, with the music and I think it'll make a whole lot more sense for everyone involved and, and make it that much more enjoyable and and of course what do we want for our students we want them to to be able to attain information and and, and of course retain it so that the next day we can go to something else uh Preston on that on what Jesse's talking about there he hit the he hit that uh, nail on the head there with with the listening I know you you really uh, prioritize that with your ensembles. How do you feel like listening impacts or active listening? I know you, you I love it. You spoke a little, I know I always make you talk about this whenever I'm with you, but it's something that's so important. Maybe talk a little bit about active listening and then just anything else that, where you see that impact in other parts of the program. It doesn't have to be just jazz is good for jazz. Like I think what's good for jazz is good for everything. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny today I had three alumni uh, come back this little trio piano trio and uh and I had them play and, and they're all at college right now they're juniors and seniors and and they're playing at a really high level and when they came in some of the the little details that you know the first tune they played it was all piano all piano solo bass didn't solo drums didn't solo um and they did that on purpose and um 
that we were talking, I, I didn't say anything. I started, as soon as they were done, okay, what did you hear? What did you think? And they start picking up on the little things. Like They're like, well, I noticed that, you know, the bass sometimes he would throw in these little interjections, like at the right time during space. Or, they're, man, I noticed that the drummer started off here. And then, you know, by second chorus, when, when the solo picked up, then he started on quarter notes on his ride. And then he started into the swing pattern. And then he switched cymbals as, it, as, it, as the energy built. But then the the piano changed from lines to like chordal improv, and then he went to this different pattern. And then I noticed like he's hitting the side of the side, and so all these little details are picking up. And I was like, yes, I was like, okay, we're we're starting to like wake up because like day one, and they did this for both of my big band classes. Day one, I you know we'd be listening to something, and okay, well, tell me what'd you hear, and it's like, what'd you think? And the answers were like, I don't know, that was good. And it's like. <laughs> Okay, yeah, but like, g give me some more details. Like, get, like, active listening here. I'm all like, details are so important. And then I, I'll start. I'll point something. Well, did you notice that the bass player did this, or went from a two field to a walking bass line on that second chorus? And then the kids kind of light up. It's like, oh wait, yeah, I did notice that. It's like it doesn't quite register, but you pointed out like they heard it, but they didn't really hear it, kind of a thing. And then they pick up on it, and then it's like, oh wait, no, I did hear that, but I just didn't really. It didn't read, it didn't click, but now that you pointed out, and so you start, you know, giving them these these little bitty crumbs, and then before you know it, man, I've got kids coming up to me now that are like all well, my seniors at least. They're like, you know, like, oh my gosh, I just found this recording of you know such and such. And like I had a kid that graduated last year. It's like, hey, have you heard this a tone parallel? He texted me today, have you a tone parallel to, Har to Harlem that Wynn arranged, like from the Duke Ellington ones? I haven't heard the Wynn for us. Like, no, I haven't. That's actually kind of cool. So what happens is then they start branching out on their own and they start like finding stuff that that they enjoy and listen to. And, and then they want to share with their peers. And then it's just kind of this like infection that that takes off throughout the program. And it's kind of it's a beautiful thing. That's once once you get. Yeah, for myself, even as a student and, and when I see it in programs like both of yours, it's when the kids catch the bug that they want to share with others. There's not like there's only so much a teacher can do with students at some point the kids the the learning that happens peer to peer is 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 incredible um so Jesse you I want to this is taking us way back 2020 I was connected to Jesse Espinoza from Wendon Sanders uh when we had just started building out playbook and you were one of the first schools to use the product obviously as a virtual solution there during covid um I'm curious, could you just talk a little bit about what your experience was using it uh, initially and then now obviously in a post, in a world where you're back in, in class with students? Uh, but but yeah, it's crazy how long we've known each other here. Yeah, I mean, that was great to cross paths and, and be able to experience the, the early stages of playbook. I mean, it was... I think it was fascinating at that point. And just now what I'm seeing it evolve into is just, I would have never thought it was going to get, get to this place because I didn't think it needed to go any further than really what it was. Cause it was already really good for kids. Uh, and I think it also made it really easy for a teacher. And I, I'm not the most tech savvy person uh, at this point um, where I knew exactly what to do with it, but uh, as we got into it, 
seeing the kids excited about being able to hear and, and play their parts separately, hear someone professionally play it for them, and then to be able to match that, I mean, that that was almost as good as them being there in person. Uh, I think also the special sectionals and, and other videos that you had associated, uh, my favorite part is the history lessons that come with it, because I know a lot of times with, with the different eras and the different musicians or what have you, uh, some teachers have the issue with finding the time to do all of that background work. And so it was already provided. And so it was like a one-stop shop to, to just really knock the lesson out of the park. And while it was still fun, because it wasn't some guy named Sammy, hi, this is jazz, you know, let's swing today. No, you guys are dancing around on the French Quarter or wherever you were doing your videos. And it was entertaining, you know. So what's the word they used in the drumline movie? Edutainment. Uh, it, it was that, in an, you know, in that whole little program. And, and now it's, it's set up to be uh, classrooms and warm-up exercises yesterday we were watching the sea jam blues exercise and we're listening and, and pressing the same thing i was asking questions of like what are y'all hearing like and uh they were figuring out how the the soloists were layering in and and uh they were mimicking a lot of the lines that they had heard previously from the the player before and of course uh then all of a sudden Rex Stewart comes out smoking on the trumpet. And uh, I think it's when he played, we, we made a joke because three ladies come down the stairs. I said, you see what happens when you play? Man, look at that. It brings the the ladies. And then the I forgot the trombone player's name because he did a plunger solo. Um, it's just on the tip of my tongue. Then three guys come in. I said, now you see, that just brings everybody into the house because they want to they want to jam and uh so beyond that the the kids could tell the performers were having a great time and it was with a simple tune because out of all that we were asking the questions that were in the prompt like what's the melody can you sing it back to me and they're, they're singing c jam blues back and then uh of course just expanding on everything else that they're hearing just how it was just a total interaction and that's what makes it fun because it's it's not just, you know, somebody waving their hand in front and, and we're playing the music and then it's over and then we move on because there's so much happening back and forth between the players. And a lot of it can be spontaneous versus it's just by the book or by the sheet of music. Um, so I, I think that's what's awesome about what Playbook is doing. It's, it's really opening the, the kids' eyes and ears uh, most importantly to to what's possible with their instruments and so it's just another vehicle you know for them to have the love for the music like like maybe we do uh, and if it happens to be where they continue on as quote-unquote jazz musicians I think the key word is just being being a musician mm -hmm. and being able to do it all and and, and th this just happens to be the thing and I think that's where some things have carried on for my for my own son uh, he's the same thing, Preston. He'll ask me, hey, dad, have you heard this? And I'm like, no. 
where where did you find that and then we're sitting there listening and it's some recording i just have never picked up on and it's from everywhere it's not just you know a certain time period it's 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 some very current things it's some uh things from back in the past it's just and it's interesting where he finds it you know he's mm-hmm. kids are on instagram forever you know but he's sitting there looking for recordings of different things and because he's trying to find licks to play and he wants he wants to see how this goes and uh so it's it's pretty cool to see that and um he's doing probably way, way more listening than i'm doing right now just because i'm i'm stuck band directing most of the time and he gets to sit there and chill man and listen to what's hip right now <laughs> oh my gosh wow jesse and Pre- that's that's really well said everything um press i'm curious we something we spoke about a while ago is okay in a lot of ensembles you have three four kids five kids who who sort of are at the front of the pack and they figure it out quicker and i know you you're talking about how you you saw a difference with the kids who maybe didn't feel as comfortable improvising in person you saw an impact with playbook can, can you speak a little bit about that yeah so this was especially um it's funny. I was just talking to someone about this earlier today. Coming out of COVID, um, socially, just in general, at least the what I saw from students, that there was some awkwardness. I guess is the best way to put coming out. Um, and so then naturally coming in, sitting in a jazz band, where you can feel exposed, standing up and improvising on the spot. They were, they were very hesitant to do so, more so than normal. Um, and even just like sight reading, we, we do a lot of reading too, at the beginning of the year where I, I just, I'm passing out charts and to read, 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 cause I think sight reads and sight reading is something that's very important to be a successful musician. Um, and even sight reading, everything was just so timid. And then we got our subscription to playbook and my goodness, it was like within a couple of weeks, it was a completely different band. Because what it did is it allowed the kids to go home, practice their parts. They could hear their parts individually, um, play along with the band. They could see the the transcribed solo of the soloist, learn the transcribed solo, make a correlation with the notes that the soloist played with the chord changes. Because um, that's one of the things I have them do. If there's a transcribed solo in in a chart that we're looking at, I always require that they learn the transcribed solo first. For a beginning improviser with their advance, that's different. But learn the transcribed solo first, and then we go into improv improvising. And man, like I tell you, like in the matter of a couple of weeks, and we even played one of the tunes on our fall concert that year, and it was like I, I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know how to ex- describe it other than it was just a different band. Like the the energy, the soloist that would get up, or the, the kids. I mean, it was like my second alto who was like shaking, like, oh, there's no way I'm going to do it, and he's solo. I can't remember what tune it was now. Um, so it helped with their confidence significantly. Um, and I feel like it gives them the closest thing they can to interaction with professional musicians other than actual interaction, professional musicians. Um, so, yeah. Thank you both so much. Maybe just last question here. Do you have any other advice, things that, um, for educators out there of, of things that you've taken of all your years of teaching, of how to build a strong jazz program. Obviously there's no, there's no quick fix. It's not going to be a one day thing, but what things do you notice over time really 
impact um, the 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 roots of the ensemble. So really, a lot can grow. Um, Jesse, you want to go first? Or press. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't find the mute button. <laughs> Unmute. Okay, here I go. Um, building things, realize that there's going to be a start to everything. Okay. And so I think having patience with yourself and with the kids, I think is, is paramount and realize that it's, it's a journey, you know, and I know that sounds cliche. However, you know, to have expectations that things are just going to happen overnight or even within a semester or a school year, it's, uh, I think that's being unreasonable with yourself. And you have to realize that, you know, spend the time to, to talk to some people around you. Hopefully there's somebody nearby. Uh, I think we're all close because we can get on Zoom, we can email, we can text, we can do all these different things nowadays that, you know, it's, it's not like maybe 25, 30 years ago when, when you had to drive to somebody's school to go talk to them. Or, you know, I know you could call on the phone, but, you know, it depends on what time it is, what kind of conversation you're going to have. Uh, and, and sometimes you're in the moment when you're trying to figure things out. Uh, the mentorship is important because it's going to help you with programming. I think starting simple. Um, I know way back when I, I think Hal Leonard had just come out with some, uh, the red books with, with a few tunes in it and, and some transcribed solos or what have you. Of course, you know, there's always the the real books or what have you, just finding some head charts. Start simple where everybody's playing the melody, you know, and even when I start off with, with teaching the blues and and the bass player staring at me because he's a Metallica fan or or whatever else, I'm like, dude, just this is be on the route for right now, man. And let's let's go from one to four and then we'll figure out five on, on the way too. Okay. And then we're gonna take it back to the top. And trying to make it seem as simple as we can, I I think just starting there and, and that does establish the roots to your program. And then eventually it will come around to where the kids, they get excited enough, they're they're actually pushing you, you know, to come up with, with the next great tune for them to jam on or play, or they're doing it themselves. You know, I I, I don't take too much of the, small group approach just because I guess I've always been stuck with a bunch I say stuck fortunate <laughs> with just having a bunch of kids around all the time so it's it's kind of hard to go in that in that direction uh, because none of my settings have, have put me in that position so it's always been you know just let me just take the crowd and so uh, I've been on a stage where a judge has criticized me for Hey man, this is a jazz festival. Why do you have, why do you have fifty kids on the stage? You know, it's like, well, is that bad? I mean, these kids are excited, man. I have nowhere else to put them, so you have to, you know, sorry. But that that was something that that needed to happen for us to get to the next step, which then I I knew that it was going to be important for those kids to have the true experience by having the correct instrumentation and maybe, you know, a, a true big band setting where it, it is the 20 kids or so. And 
it's just grown from there. And that did not happen overnight. You know, I was, I would tell any young director, you know, I'd never thought of myself as a, as a jazz educator in a sense. I was just a music educator trying to do the best I could. I, I was an army musician. And so I had to be ready for anything from playing taps and ice up or snow up to my knees up in Michigan to being in a Dixieland band down in the southern part of Kentucky or playing in a concert group or in a ceremony. So you can see there was just a variety of things I had to be ready for. And then some colonel wanted a jazz combo at his social hour. And so, I mean, it's just, you have to be ready for anything. And so that's the approach I think you take with your kids, which means teach them good tone quality, teach them the basics, their scales and things like that. And then just find a way within yourself to to apply those things so that it, it doesn't seem like this unsurmountable task uh, that a lot of people will will take jazz for. And, and that's why it doesn't exist in a lot of people's programs because they think it just takes too much time or it's just too much work to, to even try to go there or it takes away from their concert groups, which, you know, I've been fortunate enough that I've seen my jazz program totally complement what I'm doing in concert band because I can take some of those same concepts and apply them uh, and, and it just, it turns into the, the things I need done in that ensemble or even in the marching band. So uh, I would just say, be ready for a journey. Don't, don't be in a rush, you know, with things, take your time and find that mentor to, to help you along the way. And then eventually at some point you, you'll figure it out what, what it is you have to do. Wow. Thank you, Jesse, for that. Preston, any, any, um, any thoughts on your end? Yeah, no, that's beautiful, man. Um, said a lot of what I was going to say. I think, you know, when I started at Plano West, it was the same thing. I, I didn't have one. It wasn't even a full big band. So I went on a recruiting rampage. And I I mean, I recruited to this day, even like you would think, uh, like for my second jazz band, like I have to recruit like crazy. I talk to kids, so I talk to their parents. I'll send other kids like, hey, Trump is like, we need two more Trump is go talk to us. Let's go. You know, and so like I, I'm I'm still like I'm recruiting, recruiting, recruiting like um. What Jesse said too, that I was gonna mention this last time on the last call that we did. Um, find a mentor. I, I have a mentor. His name is Bart Morantz. And I man, I can call him up, even if it's just a vent about something, or and he'll talk me off a ledge, or he'll get, say, Hey, well, why don't you consider doing this? I'm like, you know, I'll stop. Okay, you know what? Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, so I I can't stress enough for many reasons, finding a mentor. Um, and like Jesse said, it, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, the other big thing I would say that's really important that I, I, I see a lot sometimes is finding appropriate literature for your level of students. And I think also having a mentor, if you don't know where to start, can help you out with that. Um, you know, because sometimes if if the tune is out of their reach, it can be discouraging. Um, maybe if it's too easy, it can get boring. So you've got to kind of find find that balance. And unfortunately, as I've told other people, people before, I feel like I'm cursed. I'm constantly thinking about tunes and programming, like, like every single day, like I'm thinking about pairing this tune with this tune. And well, if I do this tune, I've got this kid that play this. And so again, 
finding appropriate literature for your students um, is huge. And again, if you don't know where to start and find a mentor, there's so many people out there um, that are willing to help. Wow. Thank you, Preston. Thank you, Jesse. Um, so awesome talking to you both tonight. Um, so much wisdom. I learned a ton. And I'm sure everyone who sees this will also feel the same. I think you guys are so insightful and you're also, um, it's not just, uh, the proof is in the pudding. Listen to the, how these bands sound, <laughs> Preston's band and Jesse's bands. Um, so thank you both so much for your time. And uh, I look forward to seeing you down in Texas soon. Thanks, Thanks again sir. for having us, Sammy. <laughs>